Now we want to concentrate on intimacy with God through worship and prayer. We've talked about the left hand of studying the Word of God, reading it, hearing it, memorizing it, meditating upon it. Now let's go to the right hand. We have also five fingers. The first one, let's start with a thumb this time, to just carry on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Makes it two hands. Let's begin by talking about when we enter into the presence of God. You know God through the Word of God, but you also know Him intimately by spending time with Him. Oh, how sad when a Christian lives day after day, week after week, year after year, without intimacy with the living God, His Father. Do you know that every morning when you wake up, God is there waiting for you to spend time with Him? I've learned from one of my mentors to, as soon as I wake up, I say, Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. He is right there waiting for you to spend time with Him. So you enter into the presence of God. The best way for me is to choose a place in the house where I would be quiet and far from distractions. No TV running, no radio, no other uh, voices. And whoever you're living in the home need to know that this is your private time. This is the time in the chamber. The relationship with God often is in public. We go to church, we go to Bible studies, everybody sees us. Jesus said, why don't you just go and hide in the chamber between you and God and pray? Because he was addressing the Pharisees who always had a public uh, prayer and not a private prayer. You need intimacy with God between you and God. Take time every day. Quiet time. This is one of the disciplines of the Christian life. The Hebrews chapter 4 talks about us entering into the presence of God. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We, when we uh, get on our knees or you sit in a chair, I like to get on my knees myself. It helps me concentrate, puts me in some kind of a fetal position. It's the most intimate way I can be with God. When you approach the throne of grace, remember that this awesome great God, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, is also your father. He's your daddy. You can sit in his lap. He will love you. He will enjoy your presence as much as you enjoy His presence. In Psalm chapter uh, 100, Psalm 100 says, We enter into His courts. We enter into His presence with singing and with praise. So the first thumb, first finger is for you to be silent before God for a moment. I have learned that when people ask me to pray, at least, even for a meal, at least for a second or two or three seconds, I don't say anything. 
And in these three seconds, I'm focusing, concentrating through that silence. Now, when you are spending time intimately with God through prayer and worship, take more time than that. Sometimes I get into a trance. I'm there silent before the Lord for minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, to half hour, even an hour sometimes. While you're doing that, you're emptying your heart, you're emptying your mind of all the things that bother you, that, of, of the things that are going to come uh, your way uh, throughout the day, and you're silent before Him. Entering to the presence of God is the first step towards an intimacy with God. The second finger, I believe it's important. It doesn't matter where the order right now is, but this is the order I chose. Number two is confession of sin. Not only of sin, but of weakness, of dependence on God. Tell God that you know, you recognize Him to be your Father. Speak to Him and tell Him, God, I need you today. I am weak. I have to face all these hardships, all these difficulties. I have to face people. I have to face my wife. I have to face my children. I have to face my husband, my boss, my colleagues. I have to face people who drive crazy in the street. I have to face temptation. I have to face decisions. Go before the Lord. Humble yourself before Him. God says, I live in a high and uh, lofty place. That's in uh, Isaiah 57, 15. But also with Him who is humble in heart, contrite in spirit. God loves the humble heart. Humble yourself before Him. You enter into His presence with awe, with reverence, with silence, with confession of sin. When Isaiah saw the glory of God, he saw his own sin and his need in utter dependence on God. This is a time where you're entering into the presence of God with the right attitude. Seeing him as a glorious God, but also as a father. You go in, in awe, but awe, in reverence, awe and reverence, but also in confidence. As we read in Hebrews 4.16, we approach the throne of God with confidence. We know that He loves us and He listens to us and hears us. The third finger is a finger of praise and thankfulness. In Psalm 118, repeatedly talks about giving thanks to the Lord. And the whole Bible speaks about thankfulness, gratitude. One of the biggest sins of God's people is that they were not thankful. God did so many things for them. In Psalm 107, it gives us a list of things that God did for His people, and yet they forgot Him. They were not thankful in their hearts, and therefore they got themselves in trouble and because of their rebellion and unthankful ungrateful hearts. So as we come to His presence with silence, with confession of sins to be cleansed, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sins and righteousness. Now we are able to enter into a period of praise and thankfulness. Think of the things that God has done. It says in Psalm 103, do not forget any of His benefits. Do not forget none of His benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and forget none of his benefits. Do not forget that God has given you so much blessing. Why don't you number these blessings? Mention a few of them. Thank you, Lord, for my health. Thank you for a good night's sleep. Thank you for this day. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the money that I have. Though it may be little or much, thank Him for the blessings. And then meditate on His character. Thank you, God, because you are love, you are forgiving, you are gracious, and you think of the characters of God. I have learned from George Mueller, who says that he always, when he prayed, he always opened the Bible. And sometimes, this is not a Bible study, it's not a reading plan, it's just I flip through and remind myself of God. And I often, in this time, go to the Psalms, because a lot of the characters of God mentioned in the Word of God. It says, he, he opened the rock and water gushed out like a river. It flowed in the desert. You thank Him for how the Lord has opened the gates of heaven and given you blessings. Just turn around and see a lot of things. This is a time when you are really intimately thinking about God and char His character, what He has done in your life. And you have so many reasons to praise Him. This is also a time where you can sing songs of praise. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And this is one song that I sing often. Praise Him. Praise Him. You are exalted, O God, above the heavens. I exalt you. I exalt you, O God. You can have a hymnal if you can't remember some songs. A hymnal next to you. You open to songs of praise. This is the time when you are worshiping the Lord, not in church. Honestly, many times I go to church and I don't find worship. I find singing, I find talking, announcing jokes, I find uh, uh, sermons and so on. But I don't get time to just meditate on the Word of God and on Him and His character. You can do that in the privacy of your own home. This is actually the worship. Worship in the Hebrew language is obed, which is similar to the Arabic abid. Worship means to enslave yourself to God. Recognize that you are a slave, you are a servant, totally dependent on Him. Of course, also, by going into His throne with boldness and with confidence, you're remembering what Jesus said. I will not call you slaves, I will not call you servants, doulos, but I will call you phileo, beloved friends. So yes, He releases us from slavery. He frees us from slavery. But we also, and uh, Romans speaks to that, we serve the one we love. We serve God and we acknowledge our servitude to Him by praising Him, thanking Him. We're enamored by His beauty, by His majesty, Remind yourself of a lot of the characteristics of God through praise, through song, and through worship. This is the crux of the worship. Now these five fingers I'm talking about is the intimacy through prayer and worship. We haven't gotten to prayer yet, although it's all prayer. Many people think that the only relationship you have with God 
when you talk to him is to ask him for things. Prayer is not, my friends, asking for things. Prayer is what I have just described in these three fingers. To be silent before him, to meditate on him, to focus on him, to make him central in your life, to confess your sin, your weakness, to acknowledge his greatness and your smallness before him but also to praise Him, to thank Him, to come before Him with a thankful heart. But prayer is also asking. And this, we leave that to the last two fingers. The first one of the, the fourth finger, that is to say. Let's read Philippians 4 to guide us in understanding this aspect of intimacy with God. In Philippians chapter 4, and verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Now in the third finger, we are rejoicing through praise, through thankfulness, remembering His character. And so uh, Philippians 4.4 4 reminds us of that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is in a way the entryway into the next thing, the prayer. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God wants us to talk to Him about our needs. Not only do we pray by asking, we pray by praise, but also with asking. He wants us to present our request to Him. With a heart of thanksgiving, we're not anxious about anything, but in everything we pray with petitions. So number four is petition. Petition is different than intercession, which is number five. Petition and intercession differ in this way. Petition is when you're asking God for things that pertain to you. You're asking for God's blessing. You're asking for God's help. You're asking for wisdom that God may help you to tackle the many decisions you may have or the one decision you may have in your work, in your relationship with people. Uh, you are praying for yourself that God may give you the energy, may give you the strength. You can't be selfish here. You can actually pray for yourself. And God says in James, He says, you don't have because you don't ask. Sorry that I use the word selfish because that very scripture says don't be selfish in asking. Because you ask and you don't get because you want to invest it on yourself. Your prayer has to be aligned with God's will and purpose for your life. It's not demanding things, but it's asking Him for His grace, for His mercy, for His patience with you, for His help, for His wisdom, so on and so forth. So Philippians 4 from 4 to 6, helps us. And the amazing thing about this is that if you do present your request before the Lord, it says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. In other translations it says, will rule in your heart. So instead of being anxious, when you pray with thanksgiving in your heart, you receive peace of the Lord. How wonderful it is to cast your burden upon Him. 
God says, cast your burden on me because he cares. Because God loves you, he wants you to share. Somebody asked me, in fact, a Saudi woman in Saudi Arabia wrote me recently. And I talk about Saudis a lot now because this is the recent uh, experience. I had a lot of Saudis coming to Jesus. She said, someone asked me, why do you pray if God already knows? You know what? God delights in your voice. He wants to hear your voice. But also, we don't pray because He needs us to pray. We pray because we need to know that God hears us. And when we make a request, you can't just keep it to yourself and just say passively, well, God knows, I just don't have to ask Him anything. When you ask Him, you experience the answer. And that increases your faith and strengthens your faith. Many times I've asked difficult things. In my talk about boldness earlier in the evangelism class, we said we need to be bold in prayer. Ask God for big things. I've asked God for the Kurds, and God gave me the Kurds. He gave many others the Kurds who also prayed for the Kurds. I prayed for uh, Kosovo, that I'll be able to get in, even though I didn't get a visa, neither from the embassy nor from inside, when people tried to give me a visa. I went to the, to the borders, and they still wouldn't let me in. And then I sat down, I prayed, I said, Lord God, I'm asking this not for me, but for your glory, because there are people there who need the Word of God. There are only a few believers in this country, and there are two and a half millions who need you. And God answered that prayer after hours and hours of agonizing at the borders. And then God granted me. When the chief of police heard about it, he came and asked me, why do you want to go there? And I said, I want to preach the gospel. And he liked it. And he stamped my passport himself and let me in. Ask God for things pertaining to you, to your family, to your people, to your relatives, to your friends, to your work, things that pertain to you in your circle of influence or circle of relationships. The fifth finger is about intercession. This is very critical. Many Christians consider only themselves when they're asking God. They're only praying for themselves. Many times I go to a prayer meeting and people raise their hand, pray for my grandma, pray for my aunt, pray for my sister, pray for my wife, pray for my son. It's all about me. What about the world out there? Do you have a heart for the world or is it just yourself? I believe that if you enter into intercession, God will listen to your petition even more. Because as it says in James, you ask and you don't receive because you only want to do it selfishly. God wants to hear your personal needs, and He delights in meeting those needs, and He promises to meet all of our needs according to His riches in glory. But think about other people too. In Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, that's the famous passage that talks about the uh, spiritual warfare, that we are not fighting a physical battle, but a spiritual one. 
And he says here, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord. Now let's jump to verse 18. Verse 18 talks about intercession. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Meaning pray without ceasing. All the time. All, all the time. That means connect with God. Many times I'm praying without words. Sometimes I'm in a car and I'm talking with somebody. And they're giving me a hard time. I just, just pray. I say, Lord, I'm connecting with you now. Help me in this situation. One time in 10 seconds of prayer... There was a breakthrough. I was witnessing to a Jewish guy who wasn't interested for a whole hour. And finally God came through because I threw a quick text message to heaven and saying, Lord, help me open his heart. Give me a key to his heart. And God did answer that prayer. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All kinds of prayers and requests. This is similar to Philippians 4, but in Philippians 4 talks about petition. Here it talks about intercession. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Praying for others. Don't just pray for yourself. Are there people in the church who have needs, who have sickness, who have problems, difficulties, marriage issues, issues with their children, issues with their jobs? and so on and so forth. Pray for those people because they need the prayer of the saints. Pray for each other. Confess for each, uh, uh, our sins to each other. Pray for each other. But here we're talking about intimate time with the Lord when you are silent in His presence, confessing your sin and your weakness and His greatness. You're praising Him and worshiping Him through songs and prayers but also you're petitioning for yourself and asking for the saints. In First Timothy, we have a new dimension added to the intercession. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Let's read God's Word about what intercession is about. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not failure. Sorry. I'm reading from Thessalonians. I should be reading from Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, and intercession. Here's the word intercession. In Philippians 4, 5, it says petition. I, I request, I urge you, that requests, prayers, and intercession... And thanksgiving be made for everyone. Not just the saints, for everybody. And here he specifies kings and all those in authority that we may live in peace and quiet lives and godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. In our intercession, we pray for the saints. We pray for kings and people in authority. We also pray for those who need salvation. We pray for the world. When you hear the news about China, about Syria, pray for the Syrian people. Pray for the refugee problem. Pray for the sex trafficking problems. For the abused women. Pray for causes of the gospel to go throughout this world. 
We need prayer of intercession. So these five fingers, in summary, are silence before God, confession of sin and weakness before Him, praising Him through uh, uh, prayers and singing, petitioning Him for myself and my circle of influence, and interceding on behalf of the saints and all people in authority and those who need salvation. Pray for the Muslim world, for the Chinese world. A Christian is a world Christian. You can't have a relationship with God just for yourself. It has to have the global impact.